0: Hello hello and welcome to the good shit. It's good to be back. I think doing these episodes I've now come into a sort of pattern of uploading Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. So um, if I'm kind of on a roll I just record multiple ones um, in in one go and then just kind of schedule the uploads. Um, So if I make reference to uh, you know Pancake Day and you're like oh it's not Pancake Day you know that was that was a few weeks ago or whatever. Then um, that's why uh, it's just it's a lot more practical. I find. Um, welcome to the good shit. Uh, please write a review. Um, mostly, I mean, it, hel- it helps iTunes. Uh, you know, it's got algorithms that find uh, more people in in the audience for different podcasts. But mainly for me, I want to know how you feel, and I want to know what's going on in your mind um you know there's just a black hole between me and you and that black hole is my microphone it's literally a black giant sphere <laughs> but uh, i would love to i would love to connect with you i would love to connect with you and if you write a review um then uh maybe we can sort of tease out the more subtle elements of the content and the podcast and um hopefully that's a way to make it better over time um i'm going to read what uh, Achilles 7075 wrote which is the first and currently only review uh so if you write something it'll be shown as the first review um or at the to- or as the top review for 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 a while until the next person writes another one so it's a good way to show off your username if nothing else <laughs> i really admire the work you do here i admire your courage for sharing such personal intimate thoughts and experiences I admire the way you work through your ideas as a sort of interior monologue and with such punk, in the English sense, humour, grace and honesty. I think what I most admire and I find quite moving is the way you aren't explaining being trans to an assumed normatively cis audience or exploring being trans for other trans people to hear, but you enfold both of these things into an exploration of what it means to be a human being with all the contradictions and challenges and delights that that involves. In a world where we often fixate on difference, whether because we are viscerally disturbed by it or because we are anxious to demonstrate that we are above it, I think to show that we are all normal and that we are all also in some way queer and that this is life, folks, is a powerful and invaluable message. Keep up the good shit. Thank you. That is such a lovely, long review to get as the first review and the thing is podcasts are still quite a niche dark web sort of uh, medium so there's not that many people that listen to podcasts and it's not so active as Instagram for example so to actually get ratings and reviews um and, and actually have an audience is actually quite a big deal and uh, it means a lot to me so thank you for that and mentioning Instagram Um, I actually also wanted to point out that I used to have Instagram and I used to be very fixated on it, especially through transitioning. um, Because you just, you know, you go on, I went on testosterone and you want to see what happens, uh, you know, at the one month, one month point and two month point and three month, you know, there's a, (laughs) there's a meme going around with trans guys recording their voices all the freaking time. And um, it goes like this this is my voice one month on tea, this is my voice two months on tea, this is my voice three months on tea, this is my voice four months on tea, this is my voice five months on tea, this is my voice six you know, and, and it's funny because, you know, sometimes there's no differences or, um, you know, you, you kind of, you make these recordings into a ritual where there's not necessarily much substance there and it can take over your life and Um, I, I definitely went through that phase and I've definitely come out of it where I just, you know, thankfully, thankfully, because I've been able to transition, I'm now at a point where I just feel so much more relaxed, just living my life and not, not, not having to think, oh, do I pass or, you know, that is a pretty awful part of transition where, you don't even know what people are thinking, and you kind of slalom, 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 slaloming around. Um, oh, if this person thinks I'm female, I better behave female and not make them think anything's wrong with me. Or if this, if this person thinks I'm male, I better switch into male mode, you know, whatever that means. Because you think of yourself as yourself, but then if you think of yourself as male, and then someone all of a sudden is like, Okay, ladies, and you're like, Wait what, ladies? what you know it's it really throws you off. I can tell I've not recorded for a few days now because I have forgotten to switch off my um power settings. <laughs> oh, it's adorable, um and actually referring to that um review that I just read, um of course, the content on the good sheet see you know it makes it look as though. Um, this is a podcast about being trans, and it really isn't. (laughs) Oh, it's hard to believe. No, it really isn't. Um, I have um, talked to a lot of academics that study um, gender issues and and trans issues, and it's sort of made itself into this package of being something about being trans, but it really isn't. (laughs) I think in the episode of um, um, Daddy Said No, I actually explain the the genesis of the good shit and how it's about uh, finding a place to express things that for some reason have not found a place to be expressed in your life so far. Um, you know if that happens to be sexuality based uh, if that happens to be about being trans and transitioning from you in this moment then that's what it is and it's very str- it's very strong it's a very strong theme. Uh, But that's not actually the intention of it, because I feel like if the intention were, oh, let's talk about being trans, it would be very limited. And you see a lot of trans people who uh, gather a really large audience because they're transitioning and there's something really exciting about, you know, maybe they're getting surgery or they are going through something that's, oh, my God, this is a big deal. And then they just get over it and they just disappear under the radar. Uh, So I don't think that's actually a good topic for A podcast that I actually want to do for hopefully a long time Um, and in that vein, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, I have added the link to teespring.com, which is basically if you're a supporter of this podcast, um, if you love the content, then essentially you have access to um, a store where you can get uh, various tidbits. Um, I'll let you check it out from the link. And, yeah. Sorry, I'm multitasking. <laughs> I cannot help it. I'm literally, I'll just do a million things at once. Um, so, essentially, um, it's it was, you know, it wasn't meant to be about trans things, but it just happens that I'm going through that right now. And, uh, you know, without further ado, there is a uh, theme to this episode. <laughs> it's, uh, I do actually have a content. I I do have content for this episode. I promise. Um, which is essentially tra- internalized transphobia and internalized homophobia and internalized, um, you know, negative feelings that you shouldn't really have when you, um, uh, you know, you are a trans person or you are gay or whatever, and you look at other trans people and you just have an issue with something that they're doing or saying or not doing and this I think underpins a lot of conflict within the trans community where trans people just kind of go against each other and it's so weird you know and there's some high profile examples of this Um, I think on YouTube Blair White a trans woman uh, has gotten into a lot of Arguments with other trans women about the correct way of being trans, and for her, it was about being very real about being a trans woman and taking more of a a people pleasing approach of saying, Yeah, of course, I was born male, and of course, I will, you know, this is, I think. Something that I heard her say a lot of the time is, I was born male, I will die male. And of course, to a lot of transitioning trans women, the bit about I will die male is deeply troubling because there is something about it that hints to, <clears throat> to a, a reality, uh, you know, whether it's real or not, how you, however you define it, a reality where transitioning doesn't actually exist. Or it doesn't actually... um, It's not possible for it to be completed. Or it doesn't really do anything. And that is something that they would understandably take issue with. So, you know, the other side uh, of trans women are attacking Blair White for... For saying these things and for... For essentially it looks to them as if she's pandering to a transphobic mainstream cis audience by saying things like, oh, of course I'm a man and, you know, "I yes, I will always have been born. I will always be male in some fundamental so-called real sense of the word and and, and, and the only worthy version of my life the way I want it to be is to make myself look as womanly as possible so that people, at least on the superficial level, will refer to her as a female, as she, as a woman. And the so-called reality of her trans status and the fact that on some basic level she will always be male is something to be hidden and for her to for it to be her responsibility to hide because of course the other trans women say well you know the fact that they feel female is enough to be recognized as valid in in who they are even if it doesn't uh, necessarily reflect completely in their appearance or you know things like that there's just this tug of war between you know the essence of of what it is and the appearance of what it is but essentially i want to get get to to my experience of this this happens for trans guys as well it's basically a version of are you enough you know are you man enough are you masculine enough are you trans enough are you good looking enough are you are you a real person are you a valid person uh, are you the real deal, are you real, you know, which is, just you know, the more you look into it, the more ridiculous it becomes, but I think transitioning is such fertile ground for these conversations around identity and worth, because people literally become new people, or people literally recognize the most fundamental essence of their identity and then do all these things to try to paint that identity on their bodies, through their bodies, so that others may see it as clearly as they feel it inside. So i've noticed a lot of uh the very you know garden variety of um fragile masculinity in trans guys where you've got you've got to prove something and obviously if you're trans you know yeah you have to prove that you pass just for your freaking sanity that is what you basically want to prove to yourself, if nothing else. But then it goes into something deeper. It goes into, okay, you do pass. Okay, you're a guy. But, but, is it enough? Are you attractive enough? Are you good enough? Are you a good person? Um, you know, not necessarily a good person as in a good person, but as in a good person in terms of what you look like. And because you're trans, there's this danger and anxiety of feeling like you might detransition, that you might slip back uh, into what you were before and lose all your progress. So, you know, for a cis guy, he's never going to accidentally be a woman. So even if he's too feminine or not manly enough or not attractive enough, um, I imagine it would be very unlikely for him to actually slip into oh, yeah, I guess I'll always be a woman sort of thing, because that makes no sense. But for a trans guy to have lived as a woman, uh, to have these body parts that definitively make a statement of being female is a lot harder. And these these anxieties around um, being enough are a lot uglier and a lot stronger. So anything around anything that threatens that is, is pretty severe. I mean, if you think about it, you know, being a cis man who for some reason lost his penis, you know, take that traumatic situation and then transpose it onto a trans guy situation of not only never having had a penis, which is the, fund- you know, in many ways the fundamental starting point of male identity but also having gone even further back into that to have been female and to have lived as a woman and you know developmentally biologically the physical state of femaleness precedes the physical state of maleness so i don't know if it's so much about the social context of misogyny and uh, hate against femaleness so much as a very personal sense of um, feeling developed enough in your male physical existence where femaleness is threatening and a, a scary statement of being so inadequate that you've gone all the way back to the default biological situation which is Is female. Um, I've certainly. Had a sense of that. Um, I think to outsiders. It seems like. It's the same thing. Or it seems like. If there is a line. It's such a blurred line. Of. You know. Why. Why. Would anyone have an issue. With any of these. Physical parts. Or. Or or concepts of femininity and masculinity to be so triggered and have all these issues and, you know, fragile masculinity is so tied in with misogyny um, and, and hating yourself and why would you hate yourself? Um, but it's also tied in with, with sexuality and desire and abuse and it seems difficult to reconcile a theme of desire with a theme of hate with a theme of identity, you know, it just it's all this circle of ridiculousness where, um, you know, if you hate yourself as a man because you're not good enough as a man and you, you know, if you were to hate yourself as a man because you actually don't want to appear feminine because you hate femininity, but then the only purpose of being manly enough is to then be loved by women and to then have access to women and vicariously absorb that femininity into yourself as the reward for being manly enough you know it just there's a lot of things that um, go around in circles on this but let me take it back down to uh, to my personal experience you know I did say I've you know I've got rid of my Instagram uh, because it's a very it's a very visual it's a very visual medium and this is what i was saying about podcasting i think it's a bit like you know you find this environment that is so very different to um to to what you were used to before and i kind of imagine it like you know if you watched so many movies and then you know eventually you 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 just ended up sat down with a with a really good book you know and all of a sudden there's no pictures You know, it's a different realm. So I think it can be very refreshing to go from fixating on these endless uh, streams of of selfies that are, for all intents and purposes, identical to each other and fixating on, you know, spot the difference, where even you can't really spot the difference. (laughs) It's like, okay, I've got 20 pictures. Which one do I like best? I can't quite decide. Um, I can't you know and it just it just becomes silly you you actually lose sight of the big picture and I think that is definitely a theme with transitioning and passing where you are so fixated on the difference that you forget the whole you know I'm just like you know this little angle of my beard on my right side looks like this it's like fuck that man look at your whole face look at your whole freaking body you know don't (laughs) don't be so fixated with micro details so to shift from that overload of ridiculous useless information um to this quiet peaceful simple and and for it, so much more authentic medium. And for me, this is so significant because it is my voice. And I feel like if for some reason I couldn't take tea anymore, or I don't know, some whatever thing happened to my appearance, I will always have my voice. I will always have my voice, and that is such reassuring, validating, beautiful experience for me to have, and it just, it calms me down whenever, which is often, (laughs) whenever I fixate on, oh, you know, what does this look like? What does that look like? What does this look like? You know, and I actually sometimes wonder what it would be like if I were blind or if other people were blind that interacted with me, where we could genuinely have all of our reality and all of our existence and all of our experience simply devoid of that visual element simply it just simply wouldn't exist you know it's like wow all these things that i am anxious about and i fixate on would just simply not exist wow that would be so interesting So um, I, you know, I was on Instagram and it's funny because once you take like a long break from that, it then becomes more interesting. Then you actually know exactly what you want to see, and what you don't want to waste your time with. And it's just much more meaningful to see something that you've not seen for six months as opposed to see something that you've not seen for six minutes, <laughs> your brain responds to it differently. You've, you know, you've desensitized yourself to it, and so it actually means a lot more when you eventually do see it. And so, I checked out a few, um, a few of them, um, the accounts of some of the more popular trans guys, uh, and I noticed how one of them looks, you know, through transitioning has achieved quite a, an attractive. Um, conventionally masculine appearance, with um, quite a sort of angular-looking face, and a bit of a receding hairline, and, um, and 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 a bit of facial hair as well. Um, but I think it's important to note that it you can't actually pick one of these things and say, "Okay, if I if only I have this, then that'll make a difference." No, it's it, actually the details are much more powerful together to create the impression of a whole than any one thing in isolation. So I say this guy has a beard, but, you know, it's not necessarily that. It's it's all these things together. You know, it's the angular face plus the beard plus the receding hairline plus the short hairstyle that makes this image of him looking masculine. And then there's this other guy who also has a receding hairline, also has facial hair. Uh, but actually the face is not so angular. So, um, you know, actually overall it's, it's a lot more of a softer feminine sort of appearance. And there's also the intent of whether you think that someone is serious enough or, or almost passionate enough about transitioning, you know, do they really care, you know, um, how bad do they want it right and there's these trans people who some people consider transphobic because they say if you know if you're not that bothered if you're not committed enough if you're not making big enough sacrifices to get there then you're not really trans then you don't really have dysphoria then you're not valid valid uh and then you've got the other people who say um There's a million reasons why someone wouldn't want to put themselves through the various um, processes of transitioning or surgery. And that doesn't mean they don't have dysphoria, and that doesn't mean they're not trans, and that doesn't mean they're not valid. All the different shades of the rainbow in terms of how strongly people feel about these different things... um, so I look at these guys and my internal my internal feelings are, you know, the guy that that has achieved that, you know, transition and looks masculine and looks conventionally good enough. And he, actually the the funny thing is that it doesn't necessarily tie in with sexuality, which some people think it does, where the masculine looking guy actually identifies as gay and the um the less the more feminine the f- more feminine looking guy actually identifies as um pansexual i think so you think oh well this guy is you know this feminine guy is, must be gay and this more masculine guy must be straight but no no it's not like that at all <laughs> um it's not like that at all um those things can be very much totally totally independent of each other um but i'm looking at this more masculine guy and thinking you know that's um, that's what it's about that's what we're going for you know i'm so super into that and um he looks as though he's you know made an effort and really been serious about transitioning and then this other guy um is is almost so much more relaxed and um doesn't really care about like having really short hair or wearing really masculine clothes or, or even looking masculine at all you know he's super comfortable with um, his, most, his softer features and, uh, uh, you know, just uh, ha- having feminine mannerisms or, or sounding camp or, or whatever it may be. Uh, and that disturbs me because it seems as though, you know, he's not making an effort. Why isn't he doing something about it? Why isn't he trying? You know, And, of course, it could be because, of course, he's, he's comfortable and he doesn't feel like he needs to try. And that's, I guess, that's the place that we're all trying to get to. But the reason it doesn't work with me is because, of course, it's impossible for me to know how he feels about himself and really whether he's truly comfortable or not. It's just that that image of him in my mind, for me, disturbs me because I wouldn't want that for myself. I wouldn't want to feel like I'm not really making an effort, like I've given up, like. I feel like I can't really change anything. So I'm just not going to bother and just allow myself to collapse into this deeply uncomfortable state of being in a middle ground of neither here nor there. Um, that is what makes me so upset about that. And there is a sense of having had my identity stolen and having had the very fragile fragile process of growing up into this world being a kid and responding so acutely to all the pressures around me and the influences around me and all the cues around me i feel like i feel like for me that process was akin to a psychological emotional rape where I was coerced into a role and an identity that I was uncomfortable with. And I was forbidden a role and an identity that was mine to have and that I wanted for myself. So whether it is the way I talk or the way I act or the way I see myself or the way I relate to others... I feel like I was not allowed to have myself for myself. Like it was just a process of brainwashing and bullying into someone that I wasn't. And even though I've now come out of that and realized who I really am and that that involved transitioning there are still potentially irreversible elements of that socialization that I may or may not be able to do anything about because more or less once you're an adult a lot of things are pretty cemented and the only way to change is to find what happened to begin with and work your way through all those things and then maybe you get lucky enough to get another blank canvas that you can then write something new on but there's a lot of things that you cannot change as an adult or that are, that would be exceedingly difficult to change. Um, you know, every moment of every day that I spent having people treating me a certain way. And me feeling like I had to respond in a certain way and I had to do certain things and be a certain way. And I wasn't allowed to do other things and I wasn't allowed to be another way. Was just time spent. away from myself and antagonizing myself. And now I have to hope that there is enough of that left (laughs) that I can guide my way back to developing myself properly as to who I have always been and rectify the traumatizing experience of living a life robbed of myself. So when I see this femininity and when I see these um, guys who are not going far enough or they're not trying hard enough, I see myself as a victim, as a helpless, powerless victim devoid of any agency over my identity. As a loser, as a victim, as someone who's failed in the fundamental task of just, of just existing as themselves. <laughs> you know, people go around doing things, um, just doing random shit, you know, and it all comes back to who they are, the arc of their life and the arc of everything in life. The beginning of that arc is the identity and the intention. So to not have the identity and to have not been allowed to express your intention is to not have a life. Yeah, you could, you could be doing so many. I, you know, I did so many things before I reached high levels of success That to a lot of people would be a very conventional image of a successful life. Um, But what's the point when... (laughs) We are not merely vessels of life, are we? There is something to be said about, about the fingerprint of our individual lives and ourselves. And how that fingerprint is unique and powerful. And for me, that fingerprint was smudged. So I cling on to the few pieces of the puzzle that I have. And I hope that I can find enough so that one day, one day, I can see what is in that puzzle. I'm being very poetic right now. Um, I'm going to continue this in the next episode. Don't forget to leave a review.